As we begin our time in God's Word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning grateful for the blessings that we've already enjoyed in our service as we've recognized the graduates and sung together, heard from your Word, and prayed for one another. And Lord, I I know that we are blessed as we have gone through this service and as we take this time to study from your Word today. Lord, I pray, pray that you would give me the words to say that would encourage and build up and you would take away those words that would distract or lead astray, and that your Holy Spirit would be at work in these, your people, to change them, to send them forth, to serve you. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as we continue in our study of discipleship and understanding how we are to live as disciples in this world. What are the, the patterns that we are to follow, the examples that we're to follow? We started looking at those patterns and examples by looking at Old Testament Israel and the fact that Old Testament Israel is to be a witness and a warning, a witness to God's faithfulness and a warning for uh, us to be faithful and to continue in faith and not be like the Israelites who were faithless. Uh, Last week we saw that we're to follow the pattern of the apostles in their walk with the Lord and in their waiting for the return of Christ. And if you notice, as we've gone through those two patterns, that pretty well encompasses the whole of the Bible. You have the Old Testament with Israel and you have the New Testament with the apostles. And most of the time when there is a discussion about discipleship, it effectively ends with that. You could say uh, a lot of people think, well, uh, really all discipleship is is reading my Bible and doing what it says. But actually, the Bible itself doesn't stop there when it talks about the patterns and the examples that we are to follow as disciples. So I want to look at another example that we are to follow, an example that the Bible itself encourages us to follow, and that is the example of the saints. Now, in using the word saint, uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that word. Thanks to, in part, the Roman Catholic Church, but also just pop culture, right? A lot of people have come to understand the word saint to mean someone who is either perfectly righteous or someone who has a lot of gifts and talents that can be used for the Lord. And so you hear a lot of good Christian people that will say, well, I'm no saint, but I try to live for the Lord. Or I'm no saint, but I'll serve in this capacity or that. So the word saint doesn't mean someone who is especially holy or someone who is set apart. The word saint comes from the Greek word hagios, which means holy one. And it is always used in the New Testament to refer to Christians generally. It's always used in the New Testament not to refer to a special class of Christian but to refer to all Christians who have trusted in the Lord. So consider what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. It says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So did you catch what Paul says there? He says that saints are anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, you are, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, 
You are a saint. You are a holy one. You are one who has been set apart. But that faith looks like something. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ looks like something. It can be seen by others. It's seen by others in the moment of baptism that we'll actually celebrate here after the service, after the sermon. It's seen by others when we persevere through hardship, trusting the Lord to provide. It's seen by others when we witness to Christ. So faithful saints serve as examples or patterns that we're to follow. Now I'm sure that you can think, you can all think of people in your life who have impacted your faith, people who have been a powerful witness for you, people who you want to be like because of the witness that they've been. I can think in my own life of my father and mother, my grandfather who patterned for me a consistent, faithful life. I can think of preachers who I served under who patterned to me how to be a pastor and how to serve as a preacher. And we all have those people in mind. I think of, actually, as I was preparing this sermon, I, my mind kept going back to someone I don't know at all, didn't know at all in this life, and that is J.D. Ernest. But I can tell by the pattern, literally the pattern that he has placed over the way we sing songs in this service, that, that he impacted the lives of so many in this church uh, there are certain songs that we sing that I grew up at First Baptist singing a totally different way. And I had to get in lockstep with Antioch West Baptist Church when I came here. And the, P the pianist and the organist are shaking their head like, yep, it ain't written like that. But we sing it like that. <laughs> um, and that's J.D. Ernest. A, a pattern that he has set for us as a church that we follow to this day long after he's passed because of the impact that he had as a saint in this church. And so you can see just from that example the way that saints that have gone before us set a pattern for us to follow. And we follow and we should follow. We should look to people who have gone before us as a pattern and example for the way that we are to live as faithful Christians in our life. And so this morning, we are going to consider the patterns that faithful saints set for us and the patterns that we're to set as we live as saints in this world. And so I want you to understand today that a disciple follows the pattern of the saints in the evidence and in the effects of their faith. So we're going to look at the evidence and the effects of the faith of the saints. And to see that, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2, God's Word says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, 
with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but you, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So this morning, first, I want you to understand that we are to follow those saints that have gone before us because of the evidence of their faith. And we, too, are to give these same evidences of our faith as we live as saints in the world. And so in verses 2 through 6, Paul gives us five different evidences of the faith of these Thessalonian Christians. And uh, in verse 3 alone, there are three of those evidences that are listed. And I want you to notice it's all grouped in this one sentence where he says, Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. So one evidence of sainthood is the work of faith. Now, this evidence addresses a very common misconception about faith. You see, in our day, it's popular to think that someone can have faith without ever evidencing it in a changed life. Now, there are thousands upon thousands of people on the church rolls not in our church particularly, but uh, in the church roles in, in the United States in, at large, who go down the aisle at a VBS or at a revival and we mark them done, uh, but who never evidence faith because they have not evidenced good works that match that faith. Now, I want to be clear in saying this, that salvation is by faith alone. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved because of what we have done, and we cannot earn our salvation by our good works. But, as Martin Luther says, salvation is by, by faith alone, but not a faith that is alone. True saving faith is a faith that is visible to others by the change of the heart that happens through that saving faith that produces good works. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the light of the gospel, the light of God's work in our lives is evident and can be seen in the good works that we carry out before men. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith. And then he says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us beforehand. So yes, we are saved by grace through faith, but we are saved to good works. God has saved us for a purpose. He has saved us so that we might do the works that he has purposed for us. And James chapter 2 verse 17 says, so faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
In that passage, James explains that a faith that faith is evident through the works that we produce. In fact, he says at one point in that chapter, you say you have faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. Faith is evident by the works that it produces. If we say that we believe and follow Jesus, but we don't actually show any evidence of that belief in in our lives, then how can we say that we really believe? So the second evidence of sainthood is the labor of love. So the word that Paul uses here for labor means pain or trouble. It is the literally meant to bring to mind labor pains, as in birthing pains. And he's speaking particularly of trial or persecution. So saints are, are evident. One evidence of a saint is that we endure persecution out of our love for the Lord. Third, the third evidence of sainthood is steadfastness of hope. So to be steadfast is to endure and to be patient as we wait on the Lord. Romans chapter 8 verse 25 says, If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I've said numerous times, and in fact it must be a point that the Lord wants me to get across every Sunday because I keep coming back to this idea of waiting on the Lord. And the whole essence, I've made this point uh, numerous times, the whole essence of the Christian life, the whole essence of faith is waiting for God to fulfill His promises. It is looking forward to to the day when God will fulfill His promises in Jesus Christ. The fourth evidence we see in verses 4 and 5. And Paul says there that he knows that without a shadow of a doubt that God has chosen the Thessalonian Christians because they didn't just receive the gospel with words or in word, but in power and conviction. They didn't just hear the words and and say, yeah, I accept that or give a head nod to it. And nor did they just give a mental assent to the words of the gospel, but they received it with power and conviction. This is the idea of conversion, that they changed their minds and set their hearts upon the claims of the gospel. Now, it has become popular in our day to deny that someone really has to be converted, that they really have to show evidence or, or a desire for the Lord to really be saved. But I want to go on record as saying that if you have not set your heart and your mind upon the Lord, if there is no change of mind in your, in your life uh, that, that evidences a conversion from the way you used to think to the way you now think, then you have not submitted to or trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot just sit in the pew and say, well, yeah, I I like that idea. I believe in that without showing any evidence, any change of mind that commits to the Lord. Uh, uh, a, A true and saving faith will show a conversion that sets the mind and the heart upon the Lord. The last evidence of sainthood is in verse 6. 
Paul says that these saints became imitators of the apostle. Now, again, this is another word that keeps coming up in our study of how we are to be disciples, that we are to imitate other believers as we seek to follow Christ. And these particular uh, believers, they imitated the apostles as they modeled a life of faith. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews tells us to do this very thing, that we are to, as the writer of Hebrews says, we are to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the kingdom of God. Who are those people in your life that, imi- that exhibit a life of faith and patience? Who are those people in your life, maybe who are still alive, maybe who have already gone on, that you can look to as examples Of Christian faith. If you have those people in your life, whether they are alive or dead, then Paul and the writer of Hebrews encourages you to look at them and to imitate them in the way that they live. So now that we've seen the evidences of a saint, saint, let's consider the effects of a saint in verses 7 through 10. In verse 7, Paul says that the evidence of faith that the Thessalonians lived out has served as an example to other believers throughout the region. So this is fascinating to me. Notice the effect that these saints have had on other believers. Paul says that the word of their faith has sounded forth into Macedonia and Achaia. Now think of that. And the word sounded forth there means to echo so it's the idea of a, one of those megaphones, you know, or one of those, uh, those big cones that they, the cheerleaders use to sound out. And so it is like the faith of these uh, Thessalonian Christians has been shouted out into the world. And it's been shouted out to the degree that Paul says they don't even have to do anything when they go to a new place to share the gospel. He says they already have heard about y'all and they already know that y'all are faithful and that y'all have turned from idols and are serving the living God. And so that we don't have to do anything. So so the these Thessalonians were famous for two reasons. They were famous because they gave support to the ministry of Paul and other missionaries as they went. And they were famous because of the strength of their faith. They were famous because they had committed to the Lord and they persevered through suffering. They were steadfast. They were, uh, did the works of faith. And they, their testimony of their faith went out into the world even before Paul got to a new region. And people were already ready to accept the gospel because of the witness of this church. Now, I pray for the day when we, and and I believe in large measure, we can say this about Antioch West. But I pray for the day when we could say of Antioch West or of Butler Baptist or of the Southern Baptist Convention that our witness, our testimony is so strong that when missionaries go into new parts of the world, that they don't even have to do anything because of the witness we already have here in Sandcut and in Alabama and in the United States of America. 
that our testimony is so sure, our faith is so strong, our steadfastness is so great that when people go to other countries, they say, man, I heard about those folks in Alabama. I heard about those folks in the U.S. that trust in the Lord. And I want that too. I want to be like them. I hope and I pray for the day when missionaries don't have to make excuses for or apologize for American Christians because of the way we behave or the way we compromise. But instead, missionaries have people line up to receive the gospel of Christ because of how consistent we are here and how we show faithfulness in the, in the face of a country and a, and a people that are rejecting the gospel and rejecting the way of the Lord and are turning to persecution against Christians. So you can say, or, or you can see, brothers and sisters, that we are to follow the example of faithful saints who have gone before us. And that also means that we are to set an example of faithfulness for those who would come after us. Our good works should be evidence of our faith. We are to remain faithful in persecution and trial. We are to model the walk of a disciple in support of our church, in support of our missions, and in support of our testimony of faith. You know, I've, I've, uh, I, one of my regular prayers, in fact, it's a prayer that I, I, I would say I probably pray the most for this church, is that God would raise up the next generation of men and women to serve in this church. Now, I think that that's a necessary prayer at all times, but it's especially a necessary prayer in our times because it has become very popular in churches today for men and women to, to just uh, be apathetic to service in the church. Uh, we joke every year when we go to make nominations, when we go to try to get people to serve on the nominating committee, that nobody wants to serve on the nominating committee because it's so hard to get people to serve in the church. But we all think fondly and remember fondly people like J.D. Ernest, or Bobby Jean Ernest, or any number of other people who served in this church faithfully. And you know what? Sadly, they're gone. Who will fill that void? The Lord must raise up new people, new generations of men and women to serve. And we must have the conviction that we will set the pattern for the next generation. We will set that pattern for our children and even people that don't know us, like Nathan Skipper that doesn't, didn't know who J.D. Ernest is and yet has to submit to his pattern when singing songs at Antioch West Baptist Church. Well, I'm used to it now. But, uh, but we, have to, we have to set that pattern. And we need young men and young women to stand up and to serve and to say, I will be that next generation of saint who will set the pattern for the next, next uh, people to come along. And we need you to fill those positions, to serve in this church, to serve in this world, and to not be disconnected or disaffected, but to be a part of this community of faith and to serve in a way that would glorify Christ. And so may we 
leave this place ready to serve as that example in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you for the examples that have gone before us that have set a pattern for how we are to live. Lord, may we look to their witness, but may we also set patterns ourselves. May we show the evidence of sainthood. May we be effective in our witness in this world. Father, bless us now as we respond. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.